I wanted to begin my message this morning. I felt like, you know, Dottie, they talk about my 32nd year. Well, it, she came in on the same boat. You remember that? Well, I thought, you know, she's entitled to say whatever she chooses to say. So I'm going to be in prayer and you have the microphone. How long, <laughs> How long do I have had? Whatever you want. Uh, no, I'll I just, just have... shorten the sermon. Oh, okay. No, I just have a minute. Uh, first of all, it is really hard to believe that we have been here 32 years. That is a long time. Oh, <laughs> Give God glory thank you. Thank you. You know, uh, a lot of things can change in 32 years. I mean, not to mention your pastor, but I mean, he's still handsome. But I, you saw those pictures up there. I thought they were pretty cute. And then, listen, get off of him and get on to me. I came as a redhead. And now, <laughs> but you know, we've all changed in one way or another. And it's okay to change if it's changed for good. And as long as we have Jesus in our heart, whatever the change might be. It's going to be okay. And you know, I, I made a list when he told me I could have a second. I just made a list of things that I really loved about this church. And I really wish you could have seen them all because it was a yellow pad page full of things. And there were so many things that, that I love about this church and how I thank God that he allowed us to come here. And the journey has been, oh, it's just been wonderful. It's just been so good. Uh, but the number one thing I think that I finally decided on about this church that I like the most is this church loves Jesus. Amen. And as long as you love Jesus, everything is going to be okay. And this church loves everybody. We are a family, and a family sticks together and we might have disagreements. I don't know. I don't think, I don't know everything that we've had, but sometimes you do, but that's okay. We always love each other. And, you know, we started down on Pasadena Boulevard, and the Lord just led us all the way to come here, and we did it together, together. And anytime you're together, together, doing what God tells you to do, it will succeed. And so uh, I just look forward uh, to what God is going to do in the future. It just keeps better. And, and Joel's prayer, it just keeps getting better and better and better, the things that he has for us. And you know, my prayer before this, when we were in the little church and we were trying to get this started, uh, I just said, oh, God, anytime anybody drives down Fairmont and Red Bluff, I pray there'll be a drawing to this church, not to a people, but to the Holy Spirit. Holy Spirit, lead the people to our church so that they might be able to worship and, and serve God. And so as we think and as we know, the best is yet to be, together, together. And you know, I used to tell my boys, the last thing I told them, I had several things, but the very last thing I said, stick to Jesus. And so my prayer for our church is together we'll be together together and that we'll always stick to Jesus and follow in what he wants us to do. I love you all. I wish I could just hug your neck. Of course, with COVID, we can hardly, you know, we have to distance ourselves. But I love you with all of my heart. And I'll forever be grateful that God allowed us to serve him together. Our family has been blessed. Thank you. Well, I thank you. You're... Oh, you don't have to. Okay. 
John, you're going to kind of get her out? All right. Well, I think I wouldn't, I wouldn't try to add to that. You know, I'll just say this. She's about to leave because she's already heard the sermon once, and she said, I don't want to hear it again. Uh, she, is the, she is the glue of our family. And uh, I, I thank the Lord for her encouragement and, and just thank the Lord for what, not only in the years we've been here, but in our entire marriage, uh, the way she's always encouraged us to do the right thing. I was thinking, Joel, uh, after the, between the first service and this service, I was thinking, you know, it was God's will we come here. When you, do, when you obey God, and, and, and I didn't want to come here because I love the church where I was. And uh, I just really had, that was one of the hardest things I ever did was leave that church and come here. But I knew this is what God was calling us to do. But be that as it may, had we not obeyed God and come here, then you would never have married Jody, which means we wouldn't have Charlie Joe. And it means we wouldn't have Joel. The whole thing would be all messed up. And so I'm just saying this. Have you ever noticed when you, when you obey the Lord he has blessings. That's what the Bible says. If we'll obey, we're going to be blessed. And how we have been blessed here in a wonderful way. Now, if you'll open your Bible to the book of Ecclesiastes, we'll be in this book in just a moment. If you have a hard time finding the book of Ecclesiastes, a little small book in the Old Testament, go to the book of Proverbs. Most of us can find Proverbs in a hurry. Psalms, Proverbs. Well, the next book is the book of Ecclesiastes. And we'll talk more about that book in just a moment. Now, as you know, today is January the 16th, 2022. And it's interesting, as I think about that and have thought about that, it was on January the 16th, same day of the month, but not the same year, 1990, that we came and went to work our very first day at the First Baptist Church in Pasadena. That was my very first day. It was on a Tuesday. And uh, that morning, I still remember, I, I got up and I drove to church my very first day. Uh, I knew two or three staff members. I'd met them, but I didn't really know anybody much. And I remember I went into the church office down at the old location, and you walked into the receptionist area, and then you had this long hall, and the pastor's office is down at the very end of that hall. So I walked by some of the uh, staff members of the church going to my office, and I introduced myself, and I asked them to introduce themselves, and they did. But what I really remember about that day, this is like 32 years ago. At the old location, there was a building, it was a gym and a dining hall and we call Morgan Fellowship Center and they had this large room on the right just as you went in that building and that day at two o'clock I'd been asked to meet with all the employees of the church and uh, kind of introduce myself and let them introduce themselves and tell me what they did in the church kind of a little get acquainted meeting and the way that worked when I went to that big room they brought in extra tables to get where everybody could be around a table. And they had these name plates written in large letters because some of them are going to be a long way from me all the way around. So as I'm down at the end of the table, I can see. Not only that, I had this eight and a half by 11 sheet of paper and it, was a, it had a diagram of that table and it had, it had everyone's name uh, as they were sitting around that table to help me uh, try to learn who all these people were. 
And so we went around, everybody, you know, introduced themselves and told what they did and how long they'd been at the church. And, and then it was my turn to, you know, say whatever I wanted to say. And I don't remember particularly exactly all the things I said, but here's what I do remember. I remember while this meeting was going on, I had this feeling. Do you ever just have a feeling? I had a feeling. I think this group is trying to figure out if they're going to like me. They're trying to size me up. Now, I'll tell you how I figured that out. I was watching them during, during all this time. And like one, one employee over here, their eyes would look over to this other employee. And I could just read what was going on. What they did not know, I've never confessed this until the previous service. I was trying to figure out if I was going to like them. It was a two-way deal. You know, the new people have all come together. But anyway, here's the deal. That day... January the 16th, Tuesday, 1990, 32 years ago today, began for me a new season of my life that has been a long season. 32 years is a long season. But not just for me, for Dottie, for Joel, for John, and for this church. It began a season I don't think any of us ever imagined I mean, we were down on Pasadena Boulevard. I certainly never, you know, knew then that this church was going to be relocated. Uh, that is the gospel truth, if ever I've told it. But that is the truth. I, I didn't come here to relocate the church. Uh, in fact, if I'd known we was going to relocate, I think I would have not come here. Uh, I'd have just said, let someone else go through that. But be that as it may, all that has begun a new season. And as, as I thought about that in, in light of today, you know, life has seasons for everybody. I mean, you're, you're some, somewhere in some season in life. Many people compare a calendar year to the seasons of life. Like we have springtime, and then we have summer, and then we have fall, and then we have winter. Well, that's what much of the world has. In Texas, we have all that sometimes in one day. But, but, in, but in where I was raised, there was a spring, and then there would be a summer, then there'd be a fall, the beautiful leaves on the trees, and then the winter, cold winter months would come. Well, you know, life's kind of like that spring, like you're talking about new life, talking about birth, talking about children, young people. And then, then of course, summer. Uh, you know, we're talking about that season might be compared to like the young adults, the 20-year-olds, the 30-year-olds, maybe all the way up to 39, somewhere along in there. And, and then, you know, I don't know the exact ages. You, you just put your age wherever you want to be. Then somewhere about, you know, give or take 40 to somewhere or another, you know, it's called midlife. Like I'll hear, I hear people say, I hear people like 60-something years old say, I'm in midlife. I think, they think they're going to live to be 120. No. Well, it's whatever it is. And then, then there's, there's my group, the winter group, you know. And, uh, but, but it doesn't matter. You're somewhere in a season in your life. And, you know, as you think about that, and then think about all the people you read about in the Bible, they had, it would be a great sermon series, I was thinking about that this week. I thought, you know, this might be a new good sermon series for me, maybe on a Wednesday night perhaps, to talk about the different seasons that people went through, like Adam and Eve. It, 
in the beginning, they're in the Garden of Eden with God, walking around, talking to God. They ate their forbidden fruit. What happened? They're put out of the garden. That's another season of their life, quite a different than their early season. You know, I, I think about Joseph. Boy, you talk about a person you read about in the Bible that just went from one, I mean, he went to the pit. He was sold as a slave. He was put in prison for something he didn't do. And he ultimately becomes the prime minister of Egypt. Now, he had a lot of different seasons in his life. I think of Matthew in the New Testament, tax collector. That was the season of his life. Jesus comes along, calls him to be a disciple. He, he spends the rest of his life following the Lord. A different season. James and John, they were fishermen. That was their season. Jesus comes, calls him to be a disciple. They follow the Lord. A new season. And then there's many more, but Solomon. That's who we're looking in Ecclesiastes this morning. Solomon, you talk about a person that had some different seasons. Solomon, the son of David and Bathsheba, the second son, first son died, and here he comes along. David, his father, dies when he's about 20 years of age, and he becomes king over Israel for 40 years, and then he died at rather young age for that period of time. Many people were living a lot longer than that. But gracious me, when you look at how he started out, I mean, he, he just, you talk about born with a silver spoon in his mouth, but you talk about squandering God's blessings, did he ever? So in the Bible, you have all these people of different seasons. Now, I want you to look in the book of Ecclesiastes. By the way, this name, Ecclesiastes, it means preacher. It means preacher. It comes from the Greek word ekklesia, where we get our word church. It means the assembly, the congregation. So he's, when, when you talk about the preacher, you're talking about Solomon. And what he did, this whole book of Ecclesiastes, he had lived his life and he had taken some different paths trying to find satisfaction in life. Don't we all do that? Like, here's what I know. Everybody in this room, everybody watching, all of us want to find satisfaction in life. Everybody. But here's what's different. People get on a lot of different paths, and they try to find satisfaction in life. Listen carefully. Apart from God. That's what Solomon did. And so what he does as he nears the end of his life, he, it's like a journal that he kept telling all the different things he tried, the different paths he took to find satisfaction in life apart from God, and, and he found out they didn't work, and so what he's doing, he's telling especially the young people in his kingdom, but all the people, he said, look, here's, here's something you need to learn from my mistakes. Here's how I thought something would be that was not, and here's the conclusion of what is, and all of that, is the book of Ecclesiastes. Now, if you're in the book of Ecclesiastes, in chapter one, the words of the preacher, son of David, king in Jerusalem, obviously Solomon. Well, in chapter one, he talks about how he thought wisdom would really be uh, the path to get on to have satisfaction in life. And he wound up in that chapter just saying, <laughs> it's just like grasping for the wind. In chapter number two, look in, look in verse one, he, he tried pleasure. Verse two, laughter. Verse 3, wine. 
Uh, verse 4, great works, planted uh, vineyards. Verse 5, gardens and orchards, all kind of fruit trees. He made myself water pools to water these growing trees. He said, well, verse 7, male and female servants, uh, possession of herds and flocks. Verse 8, he decided, well, I'll just collect silver and gold, and that's going to be it. Then I'm going to get me some male and female singers, and I'm going to get me an orchestra, some musical instruments. I believe that'll make it all happen. Then in verse 10, and he had the means to do this. He said, whatever my eyes desired, I did not keep from them. I did not hold with anything from my heart, from any pleasure. And then he goes on to say, but down in verse 17, the whole thing was like grasping for the wind. Now, chapter number three is where we are this morning. What he does in chapter three, remember he's in the latter part of his life and he looks back and he just kind of gives a slice of all of life. Not everything's included, but look what he says in verse one. To everything, there is a season, a time for every purpose under heaven. Your translation makes a time for every activity, which would be a better, really, translation of that. And then what he does, and I'm going to read these quickly, but he lists 28 things that are opposites. Look, in verse 2, he says there's a time to be born, there's a time to die, a time to plant, a time to pluck what is planted, a time to kill, a time to heal, a time to break down, a time to build up, a time to weep, a time to laugh, a time to mourn, time to dance, a time to cast away stones, a time to gather stones, a time to embrace, a time to refrain from embracing, a time to gain, a time to lose, a time to keep, a time to throw away, a time to tear, a time to sow, a time to keep silence, time to speak, a time to love, a time to hate, a time of war, and a time of peace. Now, if you look at that list of 28, you have 14 that would be in one column, and then you have 14 more that are complete opposites. Time to be born, that's over here. Time to die is over here. They're opposites. And so here's where we begin this morning. I think if you take your bulletin, the fact of the matter is every season of life, whatever season you're in now or whatever season you will be in has opposites. Now you think about that. Think about your life. I think about mine. There have been many good times, happy times. There have been some bad times and sad times. I don't think anybody in this room would not say, you know, I can identify with that. I've experienced the good and the bad, and I've experienced the happy and the sad, and, you know, it just, that's just every season of life has opposites, and, and, and it's so important that we understand that. There's a time to mourn, time to dance, and you just go through this long list. You know, all of life is not peaches and cream. We kind of think it's always going to be that way. You know, we're in a good season of life, and we just think, man, a lot of this is wonderful. And the next thing you know, it's like someone snatches the rug out from under your feet. Everything that was good, it's no longer. Well, life has opposites, which leads us to the next thing that I see in this scripture text. Not only does everything have opposites, the truth of the matter is uh, every season of life has opposites unknowns. 
Every season of life has unknowns. I mentioned recently that proverb. You need to remember it. Expect the unexpected. You know, just think about that a moment. I mean, just just know if you live life very long, things that you, you may have seen them in the lives of others, but, but you think, hey, you know, uh, we won't ever go through that. You just say to yourself, or I don't think we will. You, you don't visualize yourself going through that. I didn't mention in the first service because she was still in the service, but she referred to red hair and then it came back white. Uh, you know, it's interesting. I've thought about this a lot. I didn't mention this in the first service for a second reason because the family was in that service. I, I remember the last visit that Dottie and I had together as pastor and wife at M.D. Anderson. And we went to visit one of our finest church families that was just battling for their life. And they had this really just last hope surgery that day. And we were there a long time that day. Normally we don't, we're not, we can't sit with people during surgery. I mean, you just, we just live at the hospital. But that particular day, we stayed the whole way until the surgeon came out and gave the report. And we prayed with the wife and the report was not very good report. And then later soon he went to be with the Lord. But I still remember that. We walked out of MD Anderson. We'd parked in Garage 10, where it was normally where we always park at Anderson. And we got in the car and left. I didn't have a clue the next time that I would be in MD Anderson. It wouldn't be to visit somebody having surgery. It would be with my wife. Never even crossed my mind. See, that's what I'm talking about. There's so many unknowns in the seasons of life. And God has helped for us. Now, yesterday something happened here that uh, is, illustrates what I'm talking about. One of the finest young people that I've ever known to grow up in a church was a young man, his name, Cody Archer. Cody Archer. He's, the, he's a fourth generation of this church, his family, four generations of Cody's family were members of First Baptist Church. And on Christmas Eve 2010, Cody, his mother, two cousins, and an aunt were baptized. John baptized Christmas Eve, Lord's Supper Service, 2010. Now, Cody's goal when he came a teenager, he had one goal. He wanted to be a Marine. That was it. His grandfather was a Marine. Maybe that's why. I don't know. But be that as it may, when he became old enough to try to be, get in the Marines, he had to fill out like a resume telling all these things. He was like he was, he was volunteering to be in the Marines. That's what he wanted to do. And where it had this little section, you know, tell us your life experiences. Here's what, now he's, this kid, I mean, he's still a, he's still a kid trying to get into Marines. Here's what he wrote, to be a future Marine. 
And the recruiter said at the funeral yesterday that never had he ever read any resume of anybody trying to get in Marines that said, my, my whole deal is to be a future Marine. Well, he was accepted. He did very well. Uh, he was stationed in, in uh, Virginia. A little over a year ago, he was married. Now, listen what happened. About two weeks ago, Cody got a new gun. And he was so very proud of his gun. And he had some friends, and he was showing them his gun. And accidentally, accidentally, that gun went off. And it shot him. And they took him immediately to Walter Reed Hospital. And they did what they could. But be that as it may, there was nothing they could do, and he died. And yesterday, yesterday, John the same young man he baptized in 2010, preached a funeral yesterday. Now, obviously nobody in the Higginbotham family would have, would have ever thought that a thing like that would happen. Well, there are all kinds of things in life that happen. Uh, life has seasons that, that are un, unexpected. They have seasons that are unknown. We, we have seasons we can't understand. And you say, well, does God have any... What is the answer to that? How did John explain what happened? Well, he didn't even try to explain what happened. In this life, we may never know that. But here's what we do know. God does have an answer when we don't have an answer. And God's answer is the promises of God are our comfort and help when we don't know what to do. You ought to remember that. Because we, we try to help, but when it, it just, it all, if, if people are ever going to move on, whatever's happened, and whatever's happened in that season of life, ultimately, the way they will do it, it will be God's promises will give the comfort, and God's promises will give the help, and what a blessed thing that will be. Well, life not only has opposites every season, every season not only has the unknowns, none, you know, things we just can't explain to anybody anywhere, but every season of life is better when lived on the path of revealed wisdom. See, that's what Solomon said all through this book. <laughs> Solomon he had, well, the Bible says he was, he, he was the wisest man that ever lived other than Jesus. And then God gave him extra. In fact, if you read in 1 Kings in chapter 2 and 3, you'll see first that his father David realized he had great wisdom even before in the very next chapter, God gave him extra wisdom. When God, You remember the story where God said, Solomon, he said, you tell me what you want, I'll give you anything you want. And he said, God, I need wisdom to know how to be a ruler and king over these people. I'm just a 20-year-old boy, and I, I don't have the wisdom to do it. And God said, okay, I'm going to give you wisdom that no one ever before you has ever had, no one ever asked you will ever have. That's what he did. But it was not his human wisdom. It was the divine wisdom. And that was the, what he said in this book. If you look over in the last chapter of Ecclesiastes in chapter number 10, in chapter number, uh, chapter number 12, excuse me, chapter number 12, if you look down, he concludes his whole thing. He is saying through the book, look, I've taken all these paths to find satisfaction in life apart from God. I had the money to do it. I had the position to do it. I had the resources to do it, and none of it worked. And I'm saying to you, here's the bottom line. 
Ecclesiastes chapter 12, verse 13, he said, let us hear the conclusion of the whole matter. And he says, here it is. Fear God and keep his commandments. That means obey his commandments. For this is man's all. This is man's duty. Fear God. Fear the Lord. What does that mean? Bottom line that you can put your hands on, here's what it means. People say, well, it, it, it doesn't mean you're afraid of God. It means you respect God. Well, I understand that. But here's, here's how you can flesh that out. It means that you respect God's ways as revealed in his word, so you choose his opinion over anybody else. The fear of the Lord, what is that? I respect God's ways as revealed in his word, so that I do what? I choose his opinion over the opinions of anybody else. That's what Solomon said. He said, look, <laughs> I, 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 I got on some paths. My human wisdom thought that was the solution. The problem was every path I got on, God wasn't on that path. And he said, Here, here's the bottom line. Fear the Lord and keep his commandments. And life is going to be a better life. You know, as I was thinking about this whole book and thinking about like where we are in America and where we are in life. I looked at December the 1st, 2021. December 1st, 2021, not many days ago. The population of the United States just roughly was 332 million people. Just give or take, 332 million. Now, the Pew Research Center, which is like a religious Gallup study, Gallup poll, they, they study religious matters. They say that of that 332 million Americans, that the number of adults in that group, now that number would include little children and everybody, but of the adults in 332 million, that, that 65% say they're Christians. Now get that in your mind a moment. 332 million people in America. But if you just take the adults out of that number, 65% say we're Christians. Now, let's go backwards. 1990, that's when I came here. 32 years ago, how were things? Well, the population was about 240 million. But here's the interesting. The adults... In 1990, that were Christians, 85%. So in 32 years, the number of adult Christians, or that say they are, has decreased 20%. That's just, it's just my, I'm not surprised really, when you just look what all's going on. I mean, it's just the most unbelievable thing I've ever seen. Oh. Uh, you, you, you see it on TV commercials. You see it in TV shows. Uh, I mean, they're, they're portraying things that are just totally contradictory of what the Word of God teaches as being normal. And so we go raise our little children up, and they've watched all this stuff that the Bible says is sin, but what they see is this what everybody kind of does. This is a normal now. And how, what will the percentage be 32 years from now? Now, I have, a, I have a conviction about that, and I hope it's wrong. Number one, 
I seriously doubt that the 65% of the people in America that are adults that say they're Christian are really born-again believers. I mean, that'd be interesting how they, you know, what, what do they mean, I'm a Christian? Does it mean I just believe there's a God? I belong to a church? I do this? I'm a good person? I mean, like, I, if you had some way of, and I say that just looking at the lifestyle of people that say they're Christians. <laughs> there's no fear of God. They don't choose God's ways as revealed in his word and choose his opinion over their own or anybody else. They just, as a man wants, he does. Well, that, that's, you know, that may be, but that's not what the word of God says. But, you know, my other observation is many that say they're Christians, and, and only God knows. I certainly don't know. You don't know. Only God knows a man's heart. But here's what we can look Many who profess to be Christians, born-again believers, church people, even, even leaders and workers in God's work, the path they live, the path they live, they could live that same path apart from God. They don't need God to live on the path they're living. And you say, well, that's their business. Well, it is their business. But here's the sad thing about that. It's, it's a dead-end path. And one day, they're going to be like old Solomon. And they're going to say, look, I've tried to find satisfaction in this, and this, and this, and this, and this. And we do that. That's just human nature. But if you do it apart from God, it does not end well. And that's what the book of Ecclesiastes is about. Now, here's, here's, the, here's the good thing. The Bible teaches us that we are complete in Christ. Now, hear that. Colossians chapter 2, verse 10. That's a must verse. You're not complete in youth. You won't always be young. You're, you're not complete in friends and family. You won't always have friends and family. We thank God for family and friends. I mean, things that we think make us complete, it does not end that way. You are complete in Christ. And that is because God tells us, in fact, in the book of Ecclesiastes, even in chapter 3, if you look down in verse number 11, he says, God has put eternity in their hearts. You have a hole in your heart that only God can fill. And when God fills that hole, no matter, no matter what unexpected comes, no matter what sad and bad comes, it doesn't mean it's not sad and bad, but it means you have him living in you that will get you through that out to the other side to where you're headed. Now, the question is, do you have him?